0: Hey fam, welcome back to the City Rev Live podcast. My name is Mandy. With me I have Pastor Justin. Each week on this podcast, we feature conversations on what it means to live like Jesus in a modern culture, how to navigate various relationships, and equip you to make a difference wherever you are. So if you've been tuning in the last couple weeks, you know that we're in the middle of an emotional intelligence and leadership series. We've been talking about things like humility, rest, self-awareness. Today, specifically, we're going to be talking about managing change and how we have to use emotional intelligence in order to manage change correctly. So before we get started, let's kind of define our terms. When we talk about managing change, because everybody leads leads in different spheres of their life, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, managing change. I think the thing that Probably comes initially to most people's minds is work-related. Um, whether you live, you work in a large organization or even a small small business, change is happening. I mean, just think of all of the changes that have happened in the past 12 months. So we we have to navigate change all the time. But change also takes place in the home. I think of parents that help manage the change of getting their child ready for a new school or managing the change of a new season of life. I think of friends having to navigate new seasons in their relationship. Um, And so there's change that has to be navigated and it requires emotional intelligence in terms of how we ourselves process the change and then how we perceive others dealing with change. Change is difficult, it's hard. There are very few people who are very passionate and just love change, love a good change. We are typically attached to the things that make us comfortable, and we like consistency. And so this is a a helpful topic for us to think about when it comes to emotional intelligence.
0: Yeah, and we're going to be giving three key components on how to healthily manage change. And so what would be when when we're first thinking of a change that we're going to have to manage in our lives or our families or our workplace or friend Mm -hmm. groups? Uh, What is a healthy place to start? Where do you suggest we start off with that?
1: Sure. So the first place to consider starting when you're thinking through change is to start with yourself. Um, And so the first thing that's important to note is we have to commit to the change. Before you're ready to lead effectively out and encourage and manage someone else's experience of change and expectation of change, we first have to come to the place where we realize change needs to happen. And so it's so important to be crystal clear in the leader's mind, in the person who's initiating the change. It's important to be crystal clear on what exactly needs to change and why it needs to be changed. Some self-reflection here is so key. This is why self-awareness, emotional intelligence is so important to being a great leader. Uh, What happens if it isn't clear? What happens if in the leader's mind, the change isn't something that's so obvious, so needed that there is nothing in the way of them going through with the change. Well, what will happen is inevitably that moment of opposition will come. Mm-hmm. The change will get hard. Uh, someone will get disgruntled. Uh, there will be an initiative that you thought that's a part of this change that would go better than it did. And it doesn't. And at that moment, there's going to come the temptation. Well, maybe we should just stop and go back. And here's mm-hmm. the thing maybe like there are moments when we're initiating change where we should be taking cues and realizing okay this is this is not the direction we need to head in but there's a lot of us who give up on a change that's necessary and needed when it gets hard confusing hard as a sign of it being a change that was unwise and so it's so important to be crystal clear on the why of the change and as a leader that you are going to commit to the change. And so here are the two questions that I think are helpful to ask that help in a leader's mind uh, clarify that this change needs to take place. The first question is this, it's to ask the question, what happens if things stay as they are and they don't change? Fast forward time, fast forward a year, two years, what happens if change never happens and things stay the same. And start listing out the consequences of that reality. Start listing out the consequences of a changing world and a business model that's not changing. Fast forward the consequences of a toxic dating relationship, but you're attached to the person and they hurt you and they wound you. They're jealous. They're not trustworthy, but you can't seem to shake the relationship. Fast forward that a couple years. Fast forward, what does that look like? That helps clarify in our minds, okay, a change needs to happen. Here's the second question to ask is what are the possibilities if we do make this change? What is the potential if we go forward with the change and go through the hard part, navigate through the opposition through the difficulty? Let's play it forward and fast forward time. What could my life look like if this was different? What could our business look like if this was different? And those two questions help clarifying the leader's mind, okay, change needs to happen. Mm -hmm. I've committed to it. The opposition's going to come. It will be challenging, but change needs to happen.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Those are two really good questions. I think just to sit with on the brink of a change, you know, and be really, really honest with yourself and think forward. That's wise. Mm -hmm. Um, what if, you know, I'm thinking there's different types of changes that somebody can make in a lifetime and in different leadership roles. You can make a change. Let's say it's a dating relationship or a friendship or deciding what school to go to or whatever. Um, those, those changes will really affect a very small group of people. So either yourself or maybe your family or small. Whatever friend unit Mm -hmm. Um, but what about for those that are making are at the top they're leading in some capacity with their organization or at their school or um, and this change is going to affect other people yeah Um, how do you suggest making like going through change with other people and how to lead them well and use by using emotional intelligence
1: yeah so I think that the when you're thinking about how the change is going to affect other people in your initial stage of committing to change, one of the most important questions, um, you know, when you're thinking about playing it forward or you're thinking about what happens if it doesn't change is to think through the way in which it's gonna affect those people, those, the people who are primarily gonna be affected by the change and already be thinking about the challenges. So those obstacles, those difficulties, try and forecast them. I think many of us already know people in our lives that are particularly resistant to change And so if we can just anticipate who those people might be, anticipate what those uh, challenges that they have, those questions they might raise, the skepticism, uh, the the holes they try and poke in the change, if we can anticipate those on the front end, that'll help us then to be able to already expect, okay, this is going to come, these questions are going to arise, and I need to be prepared to address them. And having that Uh, sense of your team having that sense of who the people are is is very helpful for that
0: yeah that's really good Justin so once that once you've led yourself into figuring out what change looks like for you or your family or organization what would be the next step in leading people I guess how do you communicate change and uh make sure that that goes into effect and um like an if efficient way. (laughs) I don't know if I'm trying to say that right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think we spend a lot of time thinking in terms of strategy for change and thinking out logistics of change and drawing out and coming up with a plan and having our checklist. And we often gloss over what is one of the most important parts about change, which is how you communicate it. So you could have all of your you know your dominoes set up and know what's going to happen next after this phase and what this milestone might be but if you haven't thought through how you're going to communicate the change uh you're setting yourself up to make a bad first impression if you think about that communication moment when you're communicating change that's the moment when you're giving the first impression i think of uh recently i was um I was looking in in the market for a new uh, used car, a new used car is a funny word. Uh, I was at a used car dealership, I should say, and I was there and immediately I got out of the car and my impression of the place was like, okay, I am not buying a car from here. Uh, The salesmen were like seated seated outside on these chairs, all just like on their phones, slouched and I start walking and then one of them kind of jolts up and comes to me and then uh, doesn't really make eye contact, you know very poor first impression type uh-huh. experience. And I, we left there just in a few moments when it comes to first impressions and change, we know change is a sensitive topic. We know there's resistance to change. The communication moment deserves just as much strategy as the rest of it. And so there's some tools that we can think through that help us when it comes to communicating change, to do it in a way that's clear and do it in a way that motivates and inspires people. So, First, I want you to think about content. So the content of how you communicate. We're going to talk a little bit about that. So uh, a a helpful practice, uh, Simon Sinek, he's very famous for this, did a Mm -hmm. TED Talk on this. He talks about start with why. Start with why. When you're communicating something, don't tell them what before you've told them why. That's good. So you start with saying, hey, here's our current reality. Here's what's happening. Here are the changing forces in our world. I want you to imagine what our organization, what our lives could be like if this was different, if this was, you know, whatever you feel. And you paint a picture. And what's beautiful about that is uh, one of the most important pieces of communication in human history. The Sermon on the Mount starts this way. I love the way Jesus, he inspires people, his followers, towards the vision of what it's like to live in his his kingdom. And the Sermon on on the Mount, he begins with the Beatitudes, where he talks about what it looks like to be a peacemaker or he talks about what it means to be a merciful person uh to be someone who is poor in spirit has this humility and meekness uh to them and he paints this picture then he says you're the light of the world you're sitting on a hill you're the salt of the earth he's giving these descriptors of what it means to be someone who lives in his kingdom And following that picture, that vision that he casts, he now gives this this beautifully described uh, exposition, this explanation of what the Old Testament Torah truly is all about, Mm. what God's heart for, for his people is really about. And he gets down deep underneath the surface of what the Torah does, and he gets to matters of the heart. And so he starts with why. He's bringing about this new kingdom vision. He's bringing about change. And then he delivers the what and what it looks like. And ultimately, it would continue on throughout the rest of his life and ministry. And so starting with why is so, so important. And it helps you, again, when you're forecasting where's there going to be resistance. How can I, in the way I communicate this, in the way I describe the why of this, this change, how can I preemptively kind of fireproof Uh, This this change that's going to be happening. Mm -hmm. So first thinking in terms of the content of the communication and then the second piece is to think through the audience of your communication. There's a really helpful way to think in terms of how you uh, of how you communicate um, to who first. So thinking in terms of concentric circles, uh, communication of change is one way you honor people. Um, You start with the people who are closest to the change. It might be the core leadership team then it might be that specific department. Um, Think about times in your life. Have you ever um, heard about a change that was happening and you heard it from someone who's like less connected to the change than you are? And it almost feels like, why didn't I know about that? Mm -hmm. Why am I finding out about this change from, you know, joe Schmo over here sorry if there's a good joe Schmo listening why am <laughs> i finding Joe Schmo is very offended right now <laughs> yeah if your name is joe Schmo, like can, <laughs> it's a bad name to have I'm sorry no um but you, you find out from some third party that this change is happening oh it feels terrible it's like um i think of an athlete who finds out he's getting traded by the media you know it's like that feeling of well why didn't i know about this yeah so the way we communicate change is so important in the way that we honor people. We we were very careful to communicate, starting uh, the people closest to the change and then outward. And another helpful practice as you're thinking through the audience of your communication is to start with consider starting with the key influencers. Mm-hmm. Every organization, every team has key people that their peers look to as leaders. Uh, it's helpful. To get them on board beforehand, even bring them in on the change process where it's appropriate Mm -hmm. to help be a part of owning that change, having some ownership in the change so that by the time the communication is out to the masses, uh, by the time you're communicating it broadly, there's already widespread support that you've done the hard work of having one on ones, having difficult conversations, addressing their questions beforehand so that it's not me announcing to 500 people, this is what's happening. And now 500 people are processing this right out loud, first reactions and making side comments to one another. And so it's helpful thinking in terms of concentric circles to communicate change in smaller settings. Um, There are some changes that are so significant that you need to do the hard work, the timely work of communicating one-on-one or one-on-three and then by the time you're communicating to the masses, you've already got mostly nodding heads because mm-hmm. people are already on board and aware uh, of the change that's taking place.
0: Yeah, I I love that example that you gave about Jesus and the sermon on the mount because I don't I don't think at least for me, me reading that, I'm not thinking like, oh, this is a great lesson on leadership. Sure. You know, like him vision casting. And that's casting. not
1: primarily what it's about, right? Right. But it,
0: but definitely it's there, sure. you know, on how yeah. to cast vision, how to get people to to catch the vision so that, like you said, they own it so that when other people in the organization or sphere that you lead in is asking these questions or needing encouragement in the change, they can be the people that now cast vision. It doesn't have to be you. Yes. You know, there's ownership, a collective ownership. Yeah. So that's really, really good. That's right. What about um, for, I guess, a change, I want to say a change that um, is like a long-term change? Right. Or perhaps it's a change that's going to affect many different areas in your workplace leadership sphere.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, how do you manage a change that requires a lot of time to kind of settle in? Yes. Um, what are some like tips on how to do that with the people you're leading?
1: Yeah. Interestingly enough, I think Jesus is another great model of this. Um, in the Sermon on the Mount, we talked about how he gives them a picture. You are a city on a hill. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth, these images. And then he goes on and says, okay, here's what it looks like to be a city on a hill. Mm -hmm. It means this for how you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It means this for the way you view your money, for how you pray. Um, He also, when he was walking with his disciples, um, leading them, you know, forming their views about God and teaching them about his ways, his kingdom. One of the things that Jesus would regularly do is he would have these check-in moments with his disciples. I think of the moment when Jesus talks to um, his, his disciples and he says, Hey, um, who do the people say that I am? And, you know, they respond say, Oh, some say, you know, the prophet. some say this, some say that. And then he turns to them and says, Well, who do you say that I am? And that's where Simon Peter famously speaks up. Oh, you're the, the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus has these moments where they're busy, they're doing a whole bunch of stuff, but He has these moments where He checks in with His people to see where they're at. And I think when it comes to change, we need to have those check-in moments. I think that's the first thing: is scheduled check-in review moments where you're getting uh, together in your teams in the in the flow of your organization, and you're checking in and saying, "Hey, we're, we're moving towards this. This is why." You're reminding the people of why we're doing the change. How's it going? I noticed that you know this is our numbers this week, and uh, you know this past month we were here, and we sh- were forecast to be here. H- how, how's your work going? What do you think some of the causes uh, uh, are of it? And having open dialogue where you're inviting feedback is so so critical. Mm-hmm. And in the process of having regular check-ins with people, it's important to identify when there's moments of side talk, mm-hmm. when there's moments of of gossip of negativity. Uh, there's nothing that will stifle change that needs to happen like negative, gossiping, slandering, side talk. Mm-hmm. And when we see that, the, the response is always, hey, listen, you, you can come to your supervisor with your challenges if you see a problem. Come to your the person who can actually help do something about it rather than just this wasted sideways energy that doesn't do anything but sow anger, frustration, and division within the team. Mm -hmm. And so having these moments where we check in, how are you doing? I think this is why it's also important that we have taken the step of communicating change, because in the process we just talked about in step two of communicating change and uh, having that those conversations. When you first communicate it, you can probably identify already who are the people that are gonna have the biggest problem with the change. Mm, And so you have already a cue as to, okay, I need to check in more closely with this person to make sure they're not getting frustrated, to make sure they're on board, make sure they understand. And so having regular check ins is, is really key. And then along with that is to have milestones along the way especially if it's a long initiative that involves a lot of change, having step-by-step milestones towards that change being completed that you celebrate. There are stops along the way that you pause, celebrate with the team. Hey, we are this close to where we said we were going to go. We were here at this point, but now we're here. Let's celebrate. Let's have, Mm -hmm. you know, let's have lunch. Let's, uh, you know, Let's uh, cut a cake and eat cupcakes. Whatever it is that you do to celebrate with your team, honor people, say, hey, this department was really key in making this change successful. So having those milestones you celebrate. And then the last thing I'd say is just have a defined finish line as to when the the change has been completed. There should be like a statement that you've crafted that says, I will know the change has happened when dot, dot, dot. When this has taken place, yeah. the change has been completely... And there might be a few things listed under there, but you know when it's there, and then you celebrate that. You celebrate that that change has taken place, and then you move forward.
0: Yeah, and I think to, to that point, it's so important for us to be in tune with our own emotions and our own yeah. tendencies and um, emotional intelligence, because this helps to know when there's going to be that side talk, to know when there's going to be people yeah. that are frustrated with the change yeah. or just having to accommodate and get used to and transition to these next so. steps that they have to do to make this change happen, yeah. you know? Um, so just being very acutely aware of the people that you're yeah. leading and knowing their tendencies, their personalities, yeah. you know, I think is such an important tie-in to being able to use our emotional intelligence in leading well.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important for people to know and for people to feel the freedom i can voice my frustration yeah. to the right person right in a healthy way when i'm seeing something that the change is negatively affecting me or my team then we don't want you know organizations and teams and families where it's you know my way or the highway yes people that have zero consideration for others mm-hmm. there might be someone who sees something that the leader needs to hear about Um, so people are allowed to express, Hey, this is, this is making my work harder because of X. Mm -hmm. And if it was, you know, if they propose a solution and if it was like this, we might be able to still move forward. We need to be able to have those moments where we voice challenges we're facing. But the thing that we can't do, the thing that we can't have, if we're going to have a unified team is have people's frustrations going and being sown all throughout the team and it just spreads like poison, yeah. and that will be the wall that stops that needed change from happening. If the team is not motivated, if they're frustrated, if they're you know angry with one another, all about the change, yeah. we gotta create safe structures where people can bring their frustrations, bring their challenges up through the organization, so that it can be done, dealt with, resolved, um, or figure out a different place for that person if, yeah. if it's not the change isn't for them.
0: Yeah. That's really good. That's a good word. And there's a lot of wisdom in that, you know, and shameless plug, we're talking a little bit about care and leadership, which just FYI is another uh, series that we did did actually, um, in this uh, series. So if you want to check that out, if that interests you or helps you, we hope that today that encouraged you in your walk in leadership and we will see you next time. City Rev. Thank you for joining us on City Rev Life. You can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review wherever you're listening to this and we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. For more videos and content, go ahead and check us out at cityrev.org podcast or download our City Rev Church app. Have a great day.